Do you want to bring balance to all the wireless radiation fields in your life, including 5G? The Omnia Radiation Balancer is a small sticker you can stick on any device. It changes the state of the field and creates a new resonance between the wireless radiation and your energy field. On the link below you'll see all our testing results that show how the body responds excellently once you've made this change in your life. And here's a special offer for the Journey to Truth crowd. Just enter the word TRUTH in caps at the checkout for your 10% discount. It's easy to bring balance back to your body with the Omnia Radiation Balancer. This is totally unreal that this happened like in 1942 on this planet. We are joined by Jordan Sather once again. Uh, we had him on er in the early days when we had no clue what we were doing. And I'm proud to say we still have no idea what we're doing. But, yeah. Yeah, but you I don't think anybody on the internet has really an idea of what they're doing. But, mm -hmm. you know, step at a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> uh, so we had Jordan on a while back and we just finished up SSP month. And the whole SSP idea kind of came from William Tompkins. He was a big part of my awakening. And Jordan just happens to be the very, uh, the, the last person to interview him before he passed in 2017. So we thought it'd be, be cool to get him on and kind of uh, dive deep into some of uh, Tompkins' testimony and hear from Jordan, you know, and get his perspective on all this and tie this SSP information into current disclosure and uh, just even some current events. So uh, welcome back, Jordan. How's it going? Appreciate you guys having me on, having me on again. Yeah, it was in the very early days of you guys first starting your podcast that you had me on. And it's awesome to see you guys grow your YouTube channels coming along. You're gaining subscribers. You're up to episode like what? 60, 70? No, no, shit. 110. We're on. 110. This is, yeah, this is 110. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You guys are trucking along, being consistent. That's good. So absolutely, I'm down to talk about the secret space program, UFOs. It'll be good to talk about some stuff that's not so like heavily political. I miss those subjects, you know, with how crazy things have been lately. I think all of our focus has been on more 3D earthly type stuff. But wherever oh, yeah. you guys want to take the conversation cosmically, I'm down. Well, I think, honestly, Sweet. I think that's the one thing that might have saved our channel is because we we steer more towards this type of information and we're not so political, even though we tie it together. We do. I mean, we are also, but... But we're not just strictly The aliens there. keep you safe. Yes. Keep you yes. <laughs> getting censored. The I've thought about that too. I'm like, what if I just make like a YouTube channel now and only talk about 
or something like that. Seems like they let all that content stay up, but yeah, everything else they take down. I don't know, but yeah. So so let's go. Yep. Let's go back to um, your interview with William Tompkins, which guys, by the way, I will have that interview uh, linked in the description below if you guys haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'll send you the. I think it's on BitChute, and maybe I'll just throw it up on Rumble uh so you can link it or something like that but you know youtube took me down twitter facebook all big tech a couple of months ago so i had to migrate pretty much to every whatever alternative platform would let me on and uh i do have that the full interview with tompkins on BitChute. so oh, awesome. check that out but yeah, yeah so william i mean we all miss him he passed away in august of 2017 for those who might not be so familiar with, with his story. And uh, it was quite an honor to be the last person to sit down with him, to be able to him in front of a camera and get him to talk about some things that maybe he didn't have the opportunity to open up about really with previous interviews. Cause you know, if you're going to sit down with a 94 year old gentleman, who's had this long history of experiencing and witnessing so many crazy awesome things and then having all this information people don't want to ask him just so many questions and and whatnot but i just wanted to sit there shut up for as long as i could and let him just go and it was great to sit there i kind of did exactly that he just rambled on and on and on about so many different things and you know william tompkins story is it pieces together so many different subjects in terms of the ufo sub uh subject or topic in terms of ufology mm -hmm. yeah top um we can just go through a quick background on who he is and what he did yeah he came forward really late in his life i mean he was 80 years old before he started even thinking about putting his testimony out there and it wasn't until i think 2015 where William Tompkins worked Dr. Bob Wood, who has been through the ufology community and, uh, you know, had understood sort of what that environment was like. He helped William Tompkins get his autobiography out onto the internet and out the And that's where we really started learning what was involved in i wouldn't say he was the start of the idea of a secret space program by all means but when he came out in 2015 tompkins did it again it pieced together so many so many different things so tompkins story begins all the way back in the when he was in high school which would have been in the 19 gosh 30s late 30s early 1940s and he was a very good model builder. He was incredible at just taking wood and whittling it away and creating these very elaborate models. And what Tompkins would do when he was a, a teenager, when he was a young boy, basically, is that either his dad or his uncle would take William Tompkins and his brother to the Navy Yard in uh, Long Beach. He lived in Southern California when he was a young boy. And he would tour a lot of the Navy warships they didn't allow cameras and with his incredible memory that he had, it's basically a photographic memory. He would memorize the 
distances between all the placements and how it all looked and everything that were on these warships. And he would take that back and etch his little models. And his models were so damn good that they were displayed on a shop on Hollywood Boulevard. And they were also so damn good was it creating these models that they had classified systems on them placements and where the radars were located and different things that were supposed to be classified so one day in like 1941 or 42 i think it was some navy intelligence officers were walking down hollywood boulevard there and they saw these models in the window of a store and they noticed there were things on there that the public wasn't supposed to know about. So they ended up looking into who they found it was William Tompkins. They interrogated Tompkins dad to make sure he wasn't a German. And uh, lo and behold, it was just young William Tom having such an extraordinary design capability. And that's, that's why these models were so cool. Anyway, the Navy, they kept their eye on Tompkins for a few years and essentially sort of into Navy service. So when William Tompkins graduated, he went into the Navy, and uh, after going into the Navy, he was brought into basically some special projects. He worked with uh, some captains and admirals, very high-level people he worked with, even though he was a pretty lower-level enlisted, uh, enlisted seaman in the Navy. And... Uh, he just did some pretty incredible things. Now, also in the 40s, he witnessed the Angeles UFO event that took place in February 1942 in Long Beach. And this was an event where essentially a big craft came itself over Los Angeles and it didn't, it didn't do anything. It just kind of hovered there. But due to the recent attack on Pearl Harbor, which was just a few months before this, a lot of the people in Long Beach were incredibly nervous. They didn't know what the heck was in the sky, so they started launching some anti-aircraft artillery fire at it. You can Google this story and find a lot of different, uh, a lot of different stories of this incident. Some of the stories will be more mainstream, just calling it, a, I don't know, probably a weather balloon or dirigible or something hmm. like that. But the cool thing, is that he was a personal eyewitness to this so we get a different story than the newspapers will tell us about it and according to tom a non-terrestrial and non-earth vehicle that came and parked it and uh you know it's just an incredible event that happened did he not did did he not say that he saw multiple crafts like a, a whole bunch during that, or am I thinking? Yeah, so apparently, and this in too many other places or really any other places, but according to Tompkins, it wasn't just one craft, but yeah, there was uh, a few different ones. There were only about 10,000 feet in altitude. And then from this, from this larger craft came out other platforms that sort of flew around. And then Tompkins in his book wrote that two of these craft were actually shot down by the uh, anti-aircraft artillery fire. One of them apparently was recovered by the, and the other one was recovered by the army. Now, mind you, this was before Roswell. So Roswell was not the first recovered craft by the United States military. There's been others and the battle of LA 
may very well have been another one of those craft. Uh, apparently, the Army took theirs to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, same Air Force Base that the Roswell crash got taken to. And then I think the other one was taken by the Navy to maybe China Lake. I can't remember exactly what uh, Tompkins claimed, but pretty incredible to hear him eyewitness those things and then his testimony of such. Yeah. So that was in 1942. Tompkins you know, then entered the Navy and... For four years, he worked with naval intelligence, debriefing Navy spies that were in Germany during World War II. And these Navy spies were embedded in Germany looking for secret aerospace research, not just aircraft, but whatever secret spacecraft the Germans might have been working on. More specifically, the Nazis and then these other secret societies as well, such as the Vril Society and others that were uh, coordinating on this research and development in Germany. Tompkins' job was to help debrief with the admiral and the captains that were above him and then take that research, take the information and disseminate it to different laboratories and research institutes around the U.S. And apparently he did this for a couple of years. So yeah. he was instrumental in a lot of the very early black project development from the, uh, shall we say, you know, military industrial complex around right. the 1940s. And I don't mean military industrial complex in a, in a negative way, but just the whole, uh, the whole outfit of beginning a lot of these projects from the institutes from the colleges and universities from the research laboratories yeah. you know, Tompkins was helping a lot of that get going so he worked for the navy for four years in the 40s and then after that in the 1950s 60s and 70s he went through a long history working through a lot with a lot of defense contractors he worked at douglas aircraft for 12 years in a secret think tank called advanced design and in that think tank he was designing a lot of secret craft. He was designing secret, uh, you know, he's working in a black project, designing essentially spacecraft. And yeah. maybe if any of these spacecraft are in our, or have been in operation, Tompkins might have very well been the person to help with a lot of the initial designs. Do, so, you, do you really quick, just, I don't know, do you remember him saying that, you know, whenever he was, uh, dispersing this information these documents that they were getting from the spies he said that these were like above top secret level documents but they weren't labeled top secret in case there was like a car wreck or a, a wreck so if the file anything happened to the files it would just seem like an ordinary file they weren't he said top secret documents aren't labeled top secret yeah the most it, top secret stuff they would write and make in a way and it just makes sense i mean if you want to keep something super duper secret you write it and package it in a way that it looks totally benign to an unsuspecting eye mm -hmm. so yeah. makes sense that he would do that uh he also said that a lot of the information that the navy spies were bringing over from germany it was hardly even intelligible because some of it were inscriptions in like hieroglyphics and would look to be other sorts of languages or other sorts of symbols. And it didn't even look like something would even 
have an understanding of mm-hmm. what it was. So yeah, pretty, uh, pretty interesting. And the thing about a lot of Tompkins testimony is that in trying to piece it together, um, it, well, number one, he had quite an incredible recollection for a man in his nineties talking to him yeah. or him. I mean, he was, he was sharp. He had a sense of humor and it really made, uh, it really gave it a sense of credibility. He was able to recollect certain things. So it really made you think like, wow, telling the truth. And also you think about a man in William Tompkins situation he didn't have anything to lose and he didn't have anything. So you think if a man's coming out with this kind of information, geez, what what's, what's in it for him? And there was really nothing in it for him except getting the, getting his truths, his testimony out there. So it's really fascinating. You know, when it comes to UFOlogy, there's so much weird shit in the, in the UFOlogy I guess, community, UFO community. Honestly, a lot of it, I think, is and probably BS. But Tompkins, when it comes to him, I take a lot of it with more seriousness than I take other people's stories and testimonies. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of corroboration. He brought quite and even some signed documents from the Admiral he used to work, work for. So he had he had evidence. And he had things that would, you know, corroborate what he was saying. Um, anyway, he just had this fascinating story of in his youth and going to work for the Navy, then going to work for these different think tanks and defense contractors for many decades into his life, um, coming forward with his story. And according to Tompkins, he still had some certain Navy contacts toward the end of his life. And I don't know about the veracity of these claims, but he said, Tompkins said that he was even urged or, you know, influenced to come out and start telling his stories. So why I always wonder if that was even true, you know, was Tompkins actually by maybe retired Navy officers or probably not active duty, but maybe active duty, even, um, officers, was it forward for some reason or another with this story? Yeah. And that's interesting because yeah, you're, so you're saying that he's claiming it wasn't on his own that he decided to come forward. He was being pushed by some other people and that's interesting. It makes you wonder why they would be pushing for that unless, you know, I don't know. Maybe yeah, knew- correct. You know, again, not saying that everybody has a hundred percent of the truth, but if he was urged to come forward, could that have been done? Because for yeah, for who knows? You know, for who knows? So Tompkins is just great story from him. He's got a couple of autobiographies out in 2015. Part two came out last year about a year ago. And then apparently uh, Dr. Bob Wood is working on a part three to his uh, posthumous William Tompkins biography as well. So that's called, that's selected by extraterrestrials, right? Yep. Selected yeah. by extraterrestrials. And 
you know, we can only touch on, we have only touched on a sliver of William Tompkins sort of full story. That first book selected by extraterrestrials, it is a, it's kind of a difficult read because it was written by a man who was in his eighties and nineties, but it is a, you know, it's very, a lot of these different, different pieces. And it shows a lot of data to putting all this together. Yeah. And my, my favorite part about his testimony is learning about what was actually going on in Germany and the, them going to potentially going to Antarctica and all that stuff. And, and that stuff is what really interested me because this technology was existing in the forties. How did they get this technology and how long have they had it? This was, this was the test. This was the information that really got my wheels spinning when it came to my awakening yeah. And again, you know, Tompkins story just piece so many different things. So he witnessed the battle of LA. That's awesome. It was debriefing those Navy spies and learning about what was going on in Germany. And apparently a lot of those Germans were, were some of those secret societies were going down to Antarctica, building bases there. Then we, we research Operation High Jump, and it sort of puts that into perspective. Like, okay, maybe, maybe the U.S. Navy and Admiral Byrd heading up that operation in 1947, I think it was. Uh, they go down and basically got their ass kicked in Antarctica, and wondering, well, what happened there? Well, maybe it was the Germans in those UFOs they saw. Maybe it wasn't. ETs, but actual humans in some sort of uh, secret. And then you think of all the sightings over the uh, 50s and 60s, over the decades. Maybe a lot of those flying saucers that we saw were piloted by humans and not piloted by ETs. Well, like the, uh, so the, yeah, like the DC. Yeah, there's so many different things and gives you this big perspective. The DC flyovers, he, he claims, were the Germans. Germans. Right. In 1952, yeah. the DC flyovers. And then I would argue that a lot of photographs that we have from the 50s, because there was this huge, huge incitings and photographs that people got beginning in around 19, late 40s. You had the Kenneth Arnold incident in 1940. I think that was 47 too. DC yeah. flyover in 52. And a bunch of photographs starting all really around then. And they were all kind of the same looking flying saucer and mm -hmm. your circular shape like they all had very similar looks and designs of the craft and of course the the mainstream the media the mainstream narratives they they were fine with people thinking it was ets of course most yeah. of the time they tried to pass it off as like a weather balloon or swamp whatever shitty excuse but if people didn't want to believe that and just went straight to, oh, it's extraterrestrial. It's almost as if they were fine. They either wanted people to completely or think it was ET mm -hmm. because then that way they can brush all their secret toys under the rug and people won't even, they won't even think that maybe humans, maybe people on this planet have advanced to that sort of level. It's just kept secret. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest secrets that they, don't want out there is the fact that humans whatever country it was whether it was the u.s or germany or maybe even but some sort of transnational group humans have had 
anti-gravity technology and other technology like that since the freaking 40s, if not earlier than that, if not the 1930s and 20s even in different parts of the world. So that's a very massive secret that they try very hard not to get people to think about. Which, which is why when, when uh, Bob Lazar first came out, they attacked him so hard and tried to discredit him so much because he was literally the, the, at least the first like big person to come out and say like, Hey, we have this technology, this, you know, anti-gravity yeah. <laughs> and, right. he was, and he's literally saying like, we, if we have this technology, we can solve all the world's problems and it would, this would change the whole world. And that's one of the main reasons why he, well, he was doing it to protect himself, but also he's like, this stuff needs to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder with Bob Lazar though, you know, when I see the groups and organizations promoting him and working with him, um, I wonder if he's legit. He's gotten quite a bit of attention in recent last like yeah. three, four years. And uh, I'm not so sold on a lot of the stuff he's saying. So it might be kind of like a misdirection sort of thing. It could be. It could be. Yeah. Uh, I could go either way with him. I'm kind of just holding, you know, like, okay, we'll see what happens with him. Yeah. And that, and that gets into the very good conversation of the, where the whole UFO, or I guess they call it a UAP phenomena is going these days is that, uh, you know, the last four years or so we've had the idea of UFOs hit the mainstream in a massive way and on one hand that's a good thing it's getting people to think of these sort of different or alternative realities it's getting their mind out of of the box a little bit but at the same time when i'm seeing the organizations the organizations that are pumping a lot of this research and what they are saying um it's kind of like taking people's minds out of one box and just putting it right there in another box except this other box just has aliens in it and UFOs yeah. in it. But, it's a slightly bigger box. Yeah, it's just a slightly, <laughs> it's still very enclosed. Yeah. So for instance, you know, the first media organization that started printing articles and really this recent, this modern UFO wave going was the New York Times. The New York Times were the ones in December of 2015 that released that article with those black and white videos that you've seen a million times yeah. and yeah. you know it's like more video we're you know same thing we've been doing, doing for decades yeah and uh your times and ever since then the the people associated with their tom delong's group or people formerly associated with tom delong's group same ones on these media outlets on CNN, on Fox News, saying pretty much the same things that we've heard for years and years. And it's just, it's weird. It's like this very watered down, whitewashed version of disclosure. Mm -hmm. And I see it infiltrate the UFO conferences too. The the kind of more underground UFOlogy community. A lot of the UFO conferences have really taken a hold of this like to the star the ufo disclosure initiative and that's like about now mm-hmm. and yet everything else any any deeper ideas or deeper discussion they've they've pushed out 
Yeah, and um, I know some pe- some big people in the UFO community have mentioned that they're like that we've they said they've tried to reach out to 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 the stars or to some of these people and they want nothing to do with them. It's like they're they're intentionally cutting themselves off from the whole rest of the of ufology because they want to like you said kind of steer the narrative in a certain way yeah and these conferences do too you know i i went to to be like the big thing like this is this is everything and it's like no there's so much more that so many other people are have been revealing and talking about but they don't want they don't want to give that any credibility because they have a specific agenda exactly yeah exactly they just want to stay in their little politically Mm-hmm. pigeonholed narratives that they're in but i mean even the conferences are doing i tried yeah. to uh i tried to push the envelope a little bit at contact in the desert a couple of years contact in the desert is i remember, I remember funded, that funded in most part by gaia <laughs> and oh, i yeah. wanted to talk about q and i wanted to talk about john podesta in a in a not so good light and a bunch of other things they didn't and like yeah, that yeah i was definitely I was definitely. Uh, well, didn't, didn't you get censored? Cool. Didn't they like not even give you the the video for your? They said you said Correct. the F word and you didn't. <laughs> didn't put my DVD out. People were going to try to buy the DVD after I gave my talk. I would have been there along with everybody else's, but mine was the only one that was not available. And they told, yeah, contact in the desert tweeted on their Twitter account that the reason they didn't put my DVD out is because I cursed in it, which was a bold faced lie. They just likely didn't want to put it out because of my subject content. So, mm-hmm. and then after that, I had one episode that I did with George Nuri on Gaia back in 2017 after the contact to the desert. So, Gaia got mad. Gaia got mad. But, uh, so, so they- yeah, the whole, the whole UFO sort of spectrum. Although you brought up the point just a minute ago that, like, the to the stars guys, they, uh, it was a few years ago. They like wouldn't talk to anybody yeah. in the UFO community. No one. No one. Yes. Yeah. Co- totally correct. Although I've noticed recently that that's sort of changed. Really? So over the months, Lou Elizondo, I don't think he's affiliated with Tom DeLong's anymore, but he was. And uh, Chris Mellon as well, the, the rich banking family guy. I mean, he's <laughs> Lou Elizondo too. He, uh, James Clapper was the one that and, and staffed him at the ATIP project, but all these guys, they just have connections. Recently, they have reached out and started doing more interviews, but you look at who they're doing interviews with now. It's the same, it's very, it promote the very watered down narratives. So really when I'm looking at this sort of UFO disclosure operation, this big sigh that's gone on for the last three, three and a half years now. I call it the uh, out UFO sort of disclosure psyop. If you look at the, the limited hangout is in spook speak, in spy speak, the hangout is when somebody starts like figuring out or, or questioning what's really going on. They're starting to get a, hint of something that something's up they'll offer so a spy or somebody just trying to conceal the truth they'll offer up a tiny bit of what's going on a little piece of information and then try to brush the rest under the rug hoping that that little piece that they volunteer pacify the person or make them stop questioning yeah so i think that's what's going on for disclosure in that so many people are 
waking up are asking these deeper questions or looking past the mind-controlling mainstream narratives that they are trying to hoodwink pretty much everybody. They're offering up a couple of videos, which mind you, were never certified. The, these to the stars, black and white videos that we've seen over and over again, are actually classified. Um, they were just kind of rushed out the back door of the government and then leaked to the New York Times. And I think it was Chris Mellon that did it. But uh, videos weren't classified. And all these stories that we're hearing about this secret UFO program from like 2008 to 2012 or something like that, oh, it's a drop in the bucket. And of course, any logical, reasonable person with a semi-decent IQ will say, oh, yeah, CIA is not going to give us all the information. Come on. Like, why, why would we think that they're going to offer up everything? What I'm seeing is this big limited hangout being done with UFOs to, number one, set up their gatekeepers. They're mm -hmm. setting up their gatekeepers of disclosure. So you've got these Tom DeLong to the stars guys that they're getting all the mainstream press, and then they're going and doing interviews with these these people in the ufo community and giving them this like sense of credibility to a lot of people so it's it's a way they're sort of setting up the gatekeepers of disclosure and also uh managing the narratives of it yeah so one big narrative that a lot of these a lot of the the new ufo community a lot of these mainstream ufo narratives they act like there's no way that these craft on the black and white videos could be man-made. It's like yeah. you talk to people who are really into the Tom DeLonge They're stuff like, and promote it a lot. We don't have this technology. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's <laughs> like, like no, they, they think do. that's crazy conspiracy theory. It's like, what, what do you do you actually research this yeah. stuff or do you no. just get well, your talking points from ancient aliens on the history channel or something or, like that? Or Joe Rogan, because Joe Rogan pushes that same thing. Oh yeah. yeah. He's super diet woke. Yeah. <laughs> 2000, like, yeah. And you think yeah. Joe Rogan, who all has Joe Rogan had to talk about UFOs? TTSA. Tom DeLong, yeah. Tom DeLong Stephen Greer, oh, Bob yeah. Lazar, Jeremy Corbell, uh, Fravor, one of the pilots that apparently shot that black and white video of the UFO that the New York times leaked. It's, it's all like, it's, it's perfectly, mainstream mm. like exactly what the military industrial complex would want us to think mm -hmm. right so i don't think joe rogan picks his guests quite honestly um oh, if no. he does i think he's got a very narrow window of what he can ask and very you know that's why i call it diet woke and, i think uh, early on he maybe was able to pick his guest because his show shifted at some point maybe mm -hmm. maybe is when he signed the spotify contract or hit a Maybe is when he hit the million subscribers. Yeah. and mm -hmm. they told him, "Well, Joe, if you want to keep going, Joe, you you gotta have these people on and say what we tell you to say." But well, I don't know. Um, you know what's interesting about like talking about all this technology and what William Tompkins saw in the '40s, '30s, and that's what makes things like SpaceX so laughable. Like we're still trying to get yeah. out off planet with rocket thrusters why but what did you see the <laughs> today the the spacex launch that crashed that crash landed oh was that today 
I think it was. I saw something uh, disclosed TV tweeted it out or something, and they showed a video of it taking off and coming back down, just exploding. Yeah, they had a couple a uh, couple gaffes like that lately when they tried their reuse hits and they didn't land properly and and uh, blew up. You guys, you know, you explained a lot of my thoughts perfectly there about SpaceX and these different modern day so-called advanced space research groups even nasa we could throw in there it's like messing around with rocket fuel with glorified bullets you got this big bullet is controlled explosion makes it go makes it go vroom we've been dealing with that stuff for a hundred years man Longer than that. Tell me they haven't advanced that technology in 100 years. Right. You look at the typical way that technology progresses. Look at Mm -hmm. our phones, for instance. Yeah, exactly. 10 years ago, we had these these flip phones, and nobody knew what an emoji was. Nobody knew what an app was. But within 10 years, now we have phones that can take 4K video with widescreen uh, you know, watches and all these different apps. And it's just, it's an exponential growth, the yeah. growth of technology and innovation. Exactly. Yet when it comes to aircraft and aerospace propulsion, we're still dealing with freaking rocket fuel. Granted, yes, they have scramjet, ramjet engines these days. And sure, maybe the uh, miles per gallon is a little bit better on the on the aircraft and they're a little safer sure but they're still like rock pressurized tubes that we sit mm-hmm. in it's it's ancient stuff and you're completely right spacex is totally laughable when you're when you're thinking about space propulsion and i think i just think it's a big smoke screen same thing as nasa mm-hmm. in the 60s and 70s and 80s it was the organization smoke and mirrors they would sell it to the mainstream public as being the latest greatest most advanced that he's done in space meanwhile in other corporations such as lockheed or boeing or you know funny enough boeing actually bought mcdonnell douglas douglas aircraft which william Tompkins worked for right mm-hmm. so boeing bought up quite a few aerospace uh companies and you wonder what they actually have in their secrets projects so lockheed boeing uh, Northrop Grumman, uh, TRW, which Tompkins also worked the Rand Corporation. You wonder what these think tanks really have access to, the true information, not with sex and NASA and what's sold to the public. Those are two totally different, totally different realities. You got the public reality, which really isn't reality. It's the illusion we're sold of rockets and all this, then you got, okay, what's been actually developed and actually the pinnacle human achievement. And that is your flying saucers, your black triangles, your cigar shaped craft. Sure. There probably are some UFO sightings that we get that are extraterrestrial, but the majority of those sightings that we see are probably man-made. Let's be real probably man-made well let's, and it let's, is no go ahead i was just gonna say let's also not forget about the actual patents that are are out that are questionable but still they're 
there's patents on some of this anti-gravitic technology. The Navy operable patents. There's even a TR3B patent, uh, John Sinclair Q or whatever. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on those patents? Well, I mean, there's it is to the imagination to think that humans have already developed gravity controlling technologies and not even a stretch of the imagination to think that they did it 50, 60, 70 years ago. Speaking of patents, you could go back to the 1940s and look at the like Thomas Townsend Brown, T. Townsend Brown were filing that got approved patents, but I think in England and in America, the American ones might've been classified since, but he was taking high voltage electrostatic charge and charging metallic discs, literally and making them levitate and fly around. Mm-hmm. Um, he was doing this not very large discs, might've been four or five feet in di- diameter. But I think the reason why it was classified is because Thomas Downs Brown figured giant discs and put people in them. So that was back in the freaking 40s. And he was just one person. There were more inventors than just him. Then we had the Invention Secrecy Act passed in 1952. And with the Invention Secrecy Act, it stated that pretty much any branch of government could classify a patent as top secret over national security concerns, which of course is the big way of saying that they can classify anything for whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And it's been said that there are, well, there actually is, you can uh, find the documentation of this, but five to 6,000 patents as of today that are classified as top secret. Most of them probably have to do with energy. And uh, that's yeah. just from what we know of class on the public surface too. You know, those are just the patents that got approved. A lot of the time when you have an inventor who's looking at anti-gravity, or zero-point energy research or something uh, similar to those topics, a lot of times they don't even make it to the patent approval process. Mysteriously burns it down or they get paid off. Money talks, spineless people. They give up their research because they got a paycheck out of it or they're threatened so they stop. Or, you know, there's a lot of ways that (laughs) the patent can get a, or the invention can get derailed we have a lot of secret patents and then you've got the ones that now are coming public i want to address the one you mentioned about the tr3b and john sinclair Uh, that one is not an approved patent that one was just an application that never went past the uh, approval stage so that one's not a real patent i do address that because Uh, how does it how does it make it onto google patents though if it's it you can go onto Google patents and look at the, the process of it. And it can say that it was it says application. It doesn't say actual approved. Uh, so okay. there's no uh, patent applications that can make their way onto Google, but uh, they're not actual. They haven't been approved quite yet. So I, the Johnson Claire one, I, he's got like a dozen patents, whoever that guy was behind that pseudonym. There's like a dozen patents that I think he tried to file all for shits and giggles. He used uh, an address in like Puerto Rico. Somewhere. So I think I think the person whoever did that was just kind of a joke to see if they could get it approved. But 
Nevertheless, aside from the John Sinclair patents, we have the uh, Salvatore Pace patents, which these ones have been approved. And he is an inventor for the Navy. He's even said, like, we need to get these improved because uh, our adversaries could be working on them was the way they put it. But essentially, it sounds like the Navy is trying to disclose some of their operable technology through these patents through their inventor salvatore and it's yeah these patents are pretty incredible and it really makes you wonder if uh because you know we have q we have different things that are letting us know that the military is trying to disclose information and make some moves against the deep state but with these patents i wonder if they're trying to sort of open up the process for a full disclosure, figure out ways to get technologies and out to the public. They could be doing that with these Navy patents or they, could, they be, could be doing or, that with the space force too. That's what I was just going to say. They Absolutely. could be, they could be uh, doing that strictly for the space force. Maybe what, what they're um, releasing or showing is some of the craft we're going to start seeing introduced or rolled out through the space force that have already yeah. been existing, but and it's, it's just, it was interesting in the very first days of the Space Force to see against it. So you would think, I mean, we haven't had a Burberry created in 70 plus years, thousands and tens of thousands of satellites in orbit right now. It makes sense that we would create a Space Force as we get more developed and begin venturing out into space. But there was a lot of bureaucratic opposition to it in the Pentagon, opposition to it, a lot of politicians. Of course, it was a Trump proposal, so a lot of proposition, a lot of politicians just wanted to be anti-Trump to go against it. But it was also intriguing because the Secretary of the Air Force at the time, I think her name was Heather Wilson, she was really against it, the Space Force. And uh you know, so the fact we had opposed to it was like, I wonder why. I wonder why these people are so well, are so against it. They're doing but, it again. That that Cindy Circleback girl or whatever her name back. is. Every time she's asked about it, she's she that's that's the one question she doesn't circle back on. She starts making fun of space for her. She's turning it into a joke again. I yeah. can't I can't stand her, so I haven't really sat down to watch <laughs> any of the press briefings but i haven't seen her uh her being asked the question of the space force i'll have to check yeah, that out twice now you should check it out yeah yeah she, if you got a link to a tweet showing the video or anything let me know i'll send but it to you yeah it is yeah it's to see the opposition it makes you wonder and if it, it definitely makes you wonder that there could be a some definite deeper reasons as to why the space force was created and then you have what q said about space those particular drops mm -hmm. and you know i know a lot of people are, are confused about q these days and a lot of people thinking it's a big bad psyop and things like that there's just there's a lot of mis and disinformation and controlled opposition out there trying to attack uh, attack q uh anyway another yeah. conversation another day but if we back channel being q that military patrioting 
to disclose information through, and they were working with Trump, you know, um, those drops, space programs exist outside of the public domain. Uh, life exists, you know, consider the vastness of space. This yeah. classification, the extraterrestrial subject is, I mean, just a couple simple statements says so much because look at who is disclosing it and look at who is authorized that program to disclose it. That program being Q, the person authorizing it being Trump, one of them and whatever other high level military officials were in or on Q team or read for that program. Ah, those few drops on space say so much right there. I mean, that's, that's disclosure. You could think of it in a way. That is a massive piece of disclosure right there. Confirmation of many things. Another so, reason, another reason they're trying to sweep Q under the rug right now. I mean, so many different reasons they yeah. were, you know, they were getting people thinking, getting too many gears turning in people's brains q was mm -hmm. and uh we'll see we'll see if they ever post again maybe they will maybe they won't but uh what we got coming up i think in the next few months in this country will be interesting and i don't even want to into the whole speculation thing because everybody over the last month or two putting out their speculations or their inside sources on the internet it's just getting burned to oblivion and uh, a lot of them have been downright wrong but i don't know i mean it's it's there's definitely stuff happening that's all i know for sure what's that there's definitely stuff happening in the background dude yeah and it's like mm -hmm. even though it looks quiet like oh yeah joe biden was sworn in and he's not and, and president trump censored off the internet and he's not saying anything it's like when it that's almost when you know that most stuff is going down behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And actually, in the last few days, I'm looking at what's happening in Myanmar. I don't know oh, if you guys yeah. Yeah. that too much or researched the, no, the coup, yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to determine if they were going to label it a coup, or a coup or not to determine whether or not they would, because uh, it might cut off their foreign aid. Did you read that article? Yeah. Yeah, so... In Myanmar, they just had an election last November, and uh, yesterday, their military in and arrested a good portion of their government, <clears throat> and the Myanmar military said that they arrested them because of a rigged election. Sound mm -hmm. familiar? Interesting. Uh, now, it might sound like, oh, military you know, bad news or something like that, but when you look at the reaction from the and the reaction, reaction from different politicians and globalist puppets around the world, mm -hmm. it's like, wow, it's pissing off like all the right people. They're all freaking the, out about it. Right, yeah. yeah. So the Joe Biden administration today said that, I think what you just mentioned, like we're classifying this as a coup and we're stopping all, all foreign assistance to the country. You've got politicians around the globe saying, oh, I condemn what's going on. It's a coup. It's bad news bears. The media in America here is, you know, they're downplaying it as being an awful thing. And they're saying that uh, democracy stifled there and the democratically elected government is, uh, you know, it's, it's just totally looks like they're covering their ass. And it looks like they're terrified. They're terrified of people catching wind of that and you know it really makes you wonder if that's the first domino that's falling 
that's going to begin falling world, other countries soon enough, maybe the US. I thought one very fascinating data point I saw yesterday about this Myanmar thing is that um, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State of, under Trump, of course, back on no- November 9th, he made a official statement to the press, a public statement about the elections in Myanmar. And he said, we're going to be monitoring, watching the situation very closely. Mike Pompeo said that about Myanmar of all places. Like, it yeah. seems like a random country. To, random. Uh, right. And then what happens two, three months later? Myanmar military arrests their government for stealing an election. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, clearly, I know a lot of people are going to be saying, well, why didn't our military do it? Why haven't they moved? Why did they let Joe Biden get inaugurated? Uh, as much as I wanted them to move, as much as I thought something might have gone down on another around then, uh, I think there are very sound arguments as to why maybe our military let in, let him hold mm-hmm. the president's seat. You know, just they let it. it. Yeah, they could have if they wanted to, for sure. Right, and that's what I was thinking. I'm like, if they could have, they could have moved. You know, Q was saying it had to be this way, mm-hmm. it had to be the hard way. Fair event. Got to walk through the darkness before you get to the light. So, yeah. I mean. Plus, if you actually read Q's drops, they were never talking about a big scenario. They never mentioned the Insurrection mm-hmm. Act or or martial law. Talked about what a lot of these so-called, you know, Q authorities out there on social media now have somehow been saying. <laughs> Simon Parks. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you actually read Q's drops. And they even questioned us, I think, back in October, if Joe Biden became POTUS, dot, 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 dot. So maybe this was all part of the plan, right? And, uh, you know, maybe Myanmar was one of the first dominoes. And it makes you wonder as well, when I look at the situation in Myanmar, if if the military in Myanmar was really concerned about the state or the Biden administration or or... Anything of that nature, would they have made a move? No. Yeah. Maybe they know that this Joe Biden administration is just some placeholder. And Mm -hmm. heck, maybe they had assistance from the U.S. military. Yeah. Yeah. Keo said, hey, we're watching the situation in Myanmar very closely. What's to say that there wasn't some sort of assistance or maybe green light given or something like that? And that's why I'm thinking that maybe Myanmar is the first domino. And we could see that soon happen. You know, I will say with Joe Biden getting in the presidency, weeks of his administration have been such a shit show that it's waking up people left wing, right wing, no wing. Like a lot of people are waking up to it. And then also it helps the situation in many ways. Donald Trump sort of out of the picture, for lack of a better term, or at least out of the public picture temporarily and then have the military make a move while Joe Biden is president, that helps the optics of everything, like, incredibly. A lot more. Exactly. Well, and that's just just it. We have to remember that this is optics. Like, nothing that we're seeing uh, is is actually what's happening. Like, there's, I mean... I think the main reason, like you said, is the optics. I think if Trump would have still been, if Trump would have won and been in, and then they would have done all this, it would have looked... Civil War. A lot of people like, yeah, like or Trump a is a dictator and this is a 
big takeover by the Trump. Exactly. Yeah. Trump would have looked, they would have sold it like Trump being and the, the baby media would have completely ran with that. <laughs> of course. Right. So, okay. Let Biden get in there for maybe a couple of weeks or a month or two. Have him sign a bunch of executive orders or, you know, how much Biden is being leveraged or how tight the strings are. Maybe they're just letting him in there to, um, hang around for a couple months. They know he won't do too much damage or be in long enough to do too much damage. And then the move. So we'll see. I mean, we have the, uh, impeachment trial coming up next week. So who knows what that might bring. Speaking of impeaching someone is not president. I'm going to, I'm going to be, uh, playing or playing paying close attention to the super bowl the halftime show i don't right. know why i think i didn't yeah. use that for something the day before the impeachment i don't know it it's it's a it's an interesting date it's of course it's sports so i'm not surprised that it's like kansas city versus tampa bay and tom brady it's like yeah. it just you know course the election's rigged and the stock market's rigged who wants to say corporate sports isn't rigged but it is and yeah then we got those couple of q drops which said the super bowl in a reference like what's coming will make the super show those drops were from like 2018 mm-hmm. and then i think in 2020 last year q said the exact same thing so i'm like maybe it wasn't for last year's super maybe it was for this year's super bowl or something like that and then like you said it's the day before the trial well did so, it did it not say the day after it said the day after the super bowl will make the super bowl look like a puppy show or did it not say the day after i don't think it said the day after okay, maybe i read that but one. yeah i could be uh you know there's been a lot of drops and some of them were years ago um yeah. there's just there's a lot of weird signaling around those particular days and some interesting one and two year deltas that we get from Q's drops around February 8th and 9th or so. So I think those days are definitely going to be. And then that impeachment trial, you know, we'll see if it goes to a discovery process. If it does, that would be interesting. Uh, We'll see if the Senate votes. Yes. If the Senate really does to impeach, then that breaks some constitutional law that could open up the floodgates to something else. Um, If this impeachment just kind of flops and Trump gets acquitted and it goes bye-bye, well then like what's next? There's gotta be something next. Uh, The media, they're struggling. They're struggling so hard. I think CNN's viewership dropped by like 40% in the first week of the Joe Biden administration because they don't have Trump to hate on anymore. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And they pulled CNN out of the airports, which is, I was just, yeah, 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 that probably was a a big cut to it, but like, no, nobody's watching this shit anymore. People are, no one's watching. Yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll see, man. We'll see what happens with this impeachment. And then the first few, uh, uh, I guess the first few weeks of February should be a should be an interesting time. I think we're all still kind of still kind of waiting for something to happen, even if it's just like a a cue drop or Trump coming back and saying something or anything. Seriously, and, we're ready. Give us a bone, man. We've been 
We've been here. We've been fighting. Throw us a bone, man. Did you see um, what's going around about apparently Vegas is holding off on paying out any bets on the presidency until March 5th? I think I did see that too. I saw people say that. Yeah. But there's a difference between seeing it than, I don't know, finding it from the source. I don't even know how to check. Yeah, I don't either. The bookies, the books of the bookies. I don't know. Um, But, um, would be interesting if that was true. Yeah, if it is. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I've, I have heard it said twice now from two different sources, but well, I don't know myself. The, the main thing that gives me comfort is seeing how the military is acting They're, It does appear they're not, they're not really uh, acknowledging Biden too much at all as, as the president. They're kind of yeah. stonewalling him. Right. I did a little digging today uh, with a friend of mine and we were looking at some of the Twitter accounts for the military, like the Mm -hmm. Army, Navy, Marines. And we went through the following list who the military Twitter accounts were following. We couldn't find any of them that were actually following Joe or the POTUS account, which Joe Biden now Mm -hmm. now heads. Um, But they still follow the at at POTUS 45 account. Correct. Yeah. So I don't know if that was purposeful. If it was purposeful, that's definitely a big sign right there. Um, There's so many things, though, that that happened. Like, they had their backs turned, you know, when they went by. They, um, what was it? Well, it, it looked to me on Biden, the inauguration day. Private plane, like all the different things. Yeah, the private plane. Yeah, the 21 you know, Biden having to take the private happen. plane. It was, yeah, it was like for a foreign dignitary or something instead of the one for that it should have been there's so many things um that point to like they're not acknowledging right and now we have more national guard going into dc some more bus loads yeah 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 and there's more uh yeah so it's just the next you know three weeks (laughs) gonna be (laughs) i'm I'm waiting to see if what happened in myanmar will happen in another country and then like another country and well, then at that I think, point, I think even America would be like, whoa, maybe. What do you think? Maybe. What do you think's going on with the uh, stock market? Uh, that that could have been a big domino, too. I saw in Germany, one of their central bankers was arrested, publicly arrested today. I watched a video. Huh. Um, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's, it's a big name. I don't not I don't know his I don't know who it is, but apparently he's like a big wig over there and he was like being arrested publicly and kind of like what we hope to see happen to some of these other people. I just wonder right. if it's tied in with this whole GameStop thing and I don't know. It's it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know either. Um happening with the stock market is another instance that is definitely red pilling and the most beautiful thing about it is that it's not it's not political. Yeah, it crosses cultural divide. Like, it's just people that's in- investing in stocks and finances, and they're seeing how big tech is colluding with colluding. Wall Street, yeah. is colluding with the media, mm-hmm. is colluding with like it's a it's just another thing that's like people are seeing. Oh my God, this is bad. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So with this whole GameStop situation, um. I think a lot of people are speculating like, oh, Trump's involved or Q's involved or something like that. I think it arose a little more organically than a lot of people are believing. 
I think um, so. You can actually trace this back to 2019 is when that user deep fucking value is what he calls himself on Reddit. Mm-hmm. That's when he originally bought his GameStop stock for $3 a share and began holding it. And DFV, as I'll say to keep it PG-13, he is still holding on to his GameStop stock. So going on a while, and a lot of people started noticing the short selling of GameStop before the elections even happened back in November. So I, I don't know. I think it's pretty organic. But the backlash we're seeing, like clearly these trading apps like Robinhood, Mm-hmm. not letting people buy shares or restricting the amount of shares people are buying. The clearing houses that are supposed to be like basically the middlemen between people trying to uh, buy and trade their shares and actual Wall Street, the clearing houses are preventing the apps from fulfilling many of the orders. And then you've got obviously some of these like billionaire hedge fund people going on to the mainstream media trying to at what redditors are doing or illegal or paying them as being bad people we got dumbasses like jimmy kimmel on his show saying oh russians russians yeah of course it's the russians well they can't Dude, pin it on it's some. like yeah it is crazy and the thing is happening like day in and day out you know last week i think on thursday was the big day that Robin Hood put themselves in the foot and started denying people's orders. And it's still going on. It happened yesterday. It happened today. You can go to Wall Street Bets on Reddit. I've been on because not going to lie, I I like the stock. I bought a couple shares. <laughs> um, they're like tanking now, but it's, it's just the principle, man. It's the principle. Well, hold. Yeah. Hold till we bleed dry. But you can go on Wall Street Bets and see people screenshots from a variety of different apps, from Cash App, from Weeble, from Fidelity, even straight denied on their apps. So like free market, right? Free well, market. yeah, and there's it's definitely not rigged at all. What I think is funny, I haven't been in, I've never really been involved in stocks, but I've noticed everything crashing and tanking right now. And then when you try and buy these tanking stocks they have a warning saying this might not be a smart financial dissuade you from yeah they're trying to scare you saying this this yeah a huge risk like why would they care if you put your money in or not when do they care all of a sudden and then like i hate reddit i can't stand reddit it's like it's just so bad but (laughs) in a variety of different ways although going on to what's and then scrolling the posts on their ones and the new ones so many people, so many people are seeing the bullshit. They are clearly aware of the psychological game media and the hedge funds and big tech are playing. They know that this whole stock market thing is just a big mind manipulation game. And they're like, oh, pff, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to listen to that. So it's like huge. It's it's people yeah. are really waking up to how rigged the market is. It's just I mean, if they're waking up to how rigged it is, it's not that far of a step for them to wake rig the election is. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that, you know. Everything else. The market, an election can be rigged. It's, you're seeing how the numbers are manipulated by computers, right? Well, look at the votes, man. 
Not that tough. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still getting the trust the plan vibes. I'm not going to lie. I still, I still think that a lot of people are behind this to make things happen. And I think things are definitely going to happen. And, you know, having it done this way with Joe Biden get inaugurated and then people like, you know, you and I who are still you and hardcore conspiracy theorists, you know, we've been attacked like these past two, three weeks, like crazy. And uh, that's just going to make the vindication all that much better. You know, it's going to, it's going to make people give us that much more respect when that vindication is. So maybe everything's going to work out better this way. I'm hoping for that. And, and I, it's, all, I, it's all serving to wake people up. It, mm-hmm. It's all, it's all doing. So they're just shooting themselves in the foot every step of the way with everything they do. Yeah. What I'm noticing too about um, Q, we, you know, you have every, everywhere you turn now, people are saying Q is a psyop or we've been duped or whatever, but I'm noticing that some of these drops are actually more relevant than they've ever been because they, they go hand in hand with what's happening right now more than they did at the time of the drop. So I'm wondering how much of it was alluding to this exact moment. I don't know. Right. How how layered were these things really? Sure, it could have been hinting at some event around the time of the particular drop, but what's to say that one year later, two, three, whatever they said wouldn't have some sort of double meaning to exactly what's going on now. and. Mm-hmm. That's totally true. You know, we still have a lot. There's still a lot to go through. Ghislaine Maxwell's case and her trial and still coming in the whole Epstein saga. We had John Luke Brunel arrested not too many weeks ago. People are wondering when Les Wexner is going to be next. So there's still there's still so much to be told about about that story. I don't think it's anywhere near done. No, not even no, close. Not even, yeah. And we're all waiting on that next drop. So that'll be a big day. You know that? Yeah. <laughs> um, a big day that a lot of people are going to get censored off the internet. That's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't post those drops on Twitter if it happens. Yeah, exactly. All right, man. Well, I think we've hit our time. Uh, thanks for coming on and sharing all that with us about Absolutely. Tompkins and, and all this stuff. It's uh, gl- great to have you back. Uh, we want to let people know where they can find you because I know you're you're getting shut down yeah you you yeah totally yeah. 14 <laughs> four terms now took me down wow 14. from patreon to paypal to spotify to videos now are on bitshoot rumble and gab tv those are my three main platforms for uploading videos and then for social media it's pretty much just gab and telegram mm-hmm. i've been liking telegram people have been migrating there and they haven't taken down posts, so that's good. Gab's getting faster, so that's good too. I still have a uh, when Facebook and Instagram took my accounts out, I made backups, but it's Instagram. Like mm-hmm. I don't use it all that much, but if you're on there, you uh, might as well go to jordansather.com as my website, and then links to everything will be right on there. Yeah, actually, my favorite thing that you do is the questions on Instagram when you have people ask you questions and you answer them on your story. Yeah. I can't. Instagram doesn't let me go live. I can't go live on, on Instagram. They haven't let me for like a month now, but I don't know. I don't really know what else to use it for. Instagram is this weird, like I can't stand it. It creates these echo chambers for people 
And then of course, since it's photographically oriented, you get so many of these like narcissists that just want to post pictures of themselves and shit yeah. on there. So mm-hmm. I can't stand Instagram, but it is a very good way to connect with an audience though. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a great app for connecting with an audience. Probably one of the best apps there is out there for it. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, I want Instagram, but it's like everything I would say would probably get censored off of it. But I don't know. I'll probably use it a little bit more coming up and just use it till they don't let me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They wiped yeah. us out and we made a backup, but yeah. Uh, I made another one. Check you guys out too on Instagram. Yeah. 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 So many followers were Facebook, Instagram, and now Twitter. We just got deleted off Twitter a little bit ago. Yes. And the three. Insta- Big three, baby. Yeah. You got to keep your, uh, got to keep your YouTube safe. Still on, yeah. I'm like, so you got to like cut out the cue parts in this talk or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We we'll have to edit this heavily. <laughs> um, well, so far we've been lucky. Fingers crossed. And, to blur uh, out his shirt right here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right, man. This was awesome, guys. Uh, you can also find us on Telegram. Uh, we've migrated over there. We're primarily there. It seems like everybody's going there. It's actually really cool. And you can do a lot with it and you can edit your comments, which I love. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Telegram is actually like, it's a shit show to try to learn, Mm -hmm. but it's actually incredible. And I think it's better than, it's better than Twitter and Facebook for just finding news and finding information because it's a messaging app more than it's a social media app. Mm -hmm. you don't have algorithms that are filtering out your timeline for you like you know on flow a thousand people but how many of their tweets are you actually seeing a day like 50 telegram whatever channels you follow no matter who you follow the most recent posts are going to be the highest on the list Mm -hmm. i you know it's pretty incredible for making sure you see you're following and then being able to interact and whatnot. So I, I think it's great. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we'll yeah, have we'll have all your links below. And um people are still asking where they can find us. Our link tree is in the description now. We have everything compiled down there. So um yeah, make sure you check that out. We're all over the place now. We just, I mean, you ha- you almost have to be because you never know where you're gonna get axed next. Correct. Yeah. And um, guys, don't forget, there's still tickets available for the uh, Star Sea Adventures Conference in March in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Aaron and I will be there with our Experiences Lounge. Uh, a lot of great speakers. It's going to be fun just to get away to the beach. I know it's not an easy time to travel. Apparently, they just signed a you have to double mask while you travel now, I saw today or yesterday. I don't know if that's true, but let's hope not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so- uh that's insane but yeah tickets are uh still available there's not many left so uh, if you want to come hang out with us on the beach grab yourself a ticket we still have uh some promo codes going 20 percent off our teespring merch with uh promo code sleepy joe Uh, we have 10 percent off the omnia balancer promo code truth all caps that's uh, for those who don't know which i'm sure you know by now it's a patch you put on a radiating device and it just kind of um harmonizes the frequency uh some really great science behind that you can check it out on the website and um hopewell farm cbd 15 percent off with uh, promo code jtt15 uh so go grab yourself some cbd and anyway uh good night guys thanks for tuning in any last words jordan nope appreciate you guys having me on we'll do it again soon yeah it was a blast yeah so much for coming on we'll see you soon man uh we'll talk later good night everybody